0: welcome back to 30-something with Sunny. I am so glad you're here today. We are talking style. Okay, so no matter what stage of life you are in, chances are you've had a moment where you've stood in your closet, looked around and said, what am I going to wear? For me, this has been the story of the past pretty much two years since having our third child. Um, I feel like a lot of moms go through this period where your body changes for so long that at some point on that journey, you kind of Forget what it is that you like or what fits or what works for you. So Joanna Lovering is the founder and CEO of a company called Copper and Rise. They're a personal styling company, but they don't do it in a way that you're probably used to. Joanna uh, really gets to know her clients and helps them to find like their essence, right? What makes the person different, unique, what makes that person that person. Um, so I really loved talking with her, not only about finding style again after some big body or life change, but also about um what it takes to get a company off the ground. Joanna spent years in the corporate world before launching Copper and Rise. She was in leadership development and coaching with big companies that you've probably heard of before. JetBlue, L'Oreal, Tiffany & Company. Um, she got her undergrad degree at Carnegie Mellon University, which is where we met initially. And she got her master's at Columbia in organizational psychology so essentially she was teaching people um how to be better leaders in the workplace uh Joanna is dynamic she's super intelligent and she brings just a whole new level to this concept of of styling and by the way she's located in New York City but she works with clients worldwide um she even got to fly to Italy Very recently for a client of hers who um, staged some incredible wedding photos in Venice. Just incredible stuff that she's doing. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. We talk about finding style. We talk about why it's so important to, you know have clothes that you like, and feel good about the way you're presenting yourself. We talk about what it's like to start your own company and go from that corporate mold to sort of breaking out and doing your own thing. And we may or may not reminisce about the old days at Carnegie Mellon as well. So enjoy, everybody. This is Joanna Lovering, the founder and CEO of Copper & Rise. All right, guys, welcome. Welcome back to 30-something. Joanna Lovering and I have been talking Um, long before this recording started because we go way back. But Joanna, I'm going to introduce you today in your latest iteration. Your career has been long and you have been very successful. But right now you're the founder and CEO of a company called Copper and Rise. So tell us who
1: you are and what you do, Joanna. Sure. So like you said, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. Yeah, it really is, and we've reconnected. So we've been friends since undergrad. Oh my goodness. Uh, we were tartans together. years ago. Oh, <laughs> I can't even discuss that. Um, <laughs> that's not even a part of this conversation. So who am I? Okay, so I am the founder and CEO of Copper and Rise, a style coaching service in New York City. I do work uh, with clients across the world, though. And basically, what I do is I help people unlock their barriers, and move forward with their life goals just by changing what they wear.
0: It's insane. Does that happen, by the way? Like, can you change someone's outlook and performance by helping them with their clothing?
1: Absolutely. This 1,000% happens. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking about two clients right now. One of them, we redid her closet, got rid of a lot of the sloth in her closet, right? Sloth. And it was just weighing her down, both in terms of the amount of things in her closet, but also, I would say almost metaphysically, it was weighing her down. Since we redid her closet, we went shopping. She now has a long-term boyfriend that… She doesn't know, but she is about to get engaged. Please
0: stop it. How
1: long has she been a client of yours? You're like the fairy godmother, Joanna. I know. know. I'm so excited for her. That's insane. Um, So cute, though, that her soon-to-be fiancé contacted me to help her with the to help with the design of the engagement ring.
0: Stop it. (laughs) That, I mean, honestly, talk about a dream job because people tend to look at style as like this superficial thing and it's easy to dog on someone to be like, oh my God, she's just one of those girls who like cares about what she wears. Well, it is connected so essentially though, to like you
1: said, how we feel. I feel like that's a great example. It can make you act differently. Well, 100%. And as a matter of fact, there's a, a ton of science behind that there's a ton of work being done not just i mean the old work is on color theory right so brighter colors or certain colors make you feel certain things red anger yellow sunny like fine that that's easy but there's actually a lot of new science coming out around how how fit and how your how should i say if you are if you are living your style, if you are presenting yourself authentically to the world in both mind and body, that actually will heavily affect your confidence. And we can make a stretch that that will affect your goals, your (laughs) career, and dating life and all those things.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. And like, I'm like, just, so heavily nodding over here hearing you say this because, you know, a woman's relationship with her own style changes at different points in her life. And the ones that come to mind are like, you know, when you are just, you know, starting to go through like puberty and your like body is changing and then you hate fashion because your body is like rebelling against you. And then I'm thinking about going through pregnancy and, and delivering babies too. And my, I almost had to hit pause on my style for like seven years now because Nothing fit the same, and I, it does impact you. I ended up standing in my closet at the end of having three kids, and feeling a little lost. Which sounds dramatic, but I'm like, who am I? Who is Sunny? Mm-hmm. What does she like? I don't. I didn't know what I liked. And when you do this service for people, I really do feel like you're helping them reconnect. I'm sure you've had like many emotional, um, like testimonials and reactions from clients.
1: Well, I, listen, you are not crazy. This is, as a matter of fact. The, the new mommy, new body thing is actually a huge identity crisis, Yes, honestly, um, and I'm sure you can talk about that for a long time, but let's bring that to body and body shape. There's an identity that we have known for years in terms of what our body looks like. And when someone has a baby, quite literally, your bones (laughs) change, right? Mm -hmm. Your hips change. So you're absolutely right that you're standing in front of your closet thinking, who am I? Well, it's quite literally that you have Mm changed. And so whether it's, like you mentioned, puberty, having a baby, growing taller, gaining weight, losing weight, like with my story, uh, I of my clients are going through some sort of change in their life, some sort of inciting event where they know that something is going to change, about to change, or changing in front of their eyes, and their style needs to follow suit. Tell me this. Was it something you personally went through that inspired you to start this company? You referenced yes. your body changing. I want to hear what was what your story was. Absolutely. So... Um, Unfortunately, it starts with kind of a sad thing, Um, promise we'll get past it. Uh, In 2007, my mom, who I was very, very close with, very suddenly and tragically passed away. It was a complete surprise to everyone and it was very sudden. And subsequently, dealing with that loss, I gained a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. I turned to my favorite things in the world, which are sugar and carbs. (laughs)
0: everyone's favorite things yes
1: I know at least it wasn't drugs or alcohol (laughs) but but uh, I gained quite a bit of weight and I was in a fog I was in a depressive fog and I had no idea that my body was changing so over the course of two years I gained about 40 pounds and it wasn't until a fellow friend from our undergraduate alma mater when she mentioned something to me, almost in jest, but it actually pulled the wool o- from my eyes, and uh-huh. I actually saw myself in the mirror. What did she say? She's, well, uh, we were <laughs> we were talking about how how uh, we were talking about dating in New York, and dating in New York is always a tough thing. And she said something like, "Well, do you think maybe your weight is affecting your outlook about this?" And I said, what are you talking about?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Were you offended? Like, what was your first reaction there? I I was a little offended. Let me be honest. But uh, fact of the matter is she was a really good friend. And I knew she said it out of love. And then I stepped in front of the mirror and said, oh, my God, she's right. (laughs) I actually had no idea. Mm Mm-hmm. So from then on, I went through a really successful weight loss journey. I lost 62 pounds in a little over a year. And through that healthy yet fast weight loss, I actually had a form of body dysmorphia. What do you mean? So I actually had, because I had gained the weight quickly and then I lost the weight quickly, I actually had no idea where my body began and and ended. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of an identity crisis, a little bit of an out-of-body experience, but I found myself dressing in clothes that absolutely did not fit me, especially when I was losing the weight. Um, I was dressing in clothes that were much too big for me.
0: And like silhouettes that were like you were – do you think you were subconsciously
1: trying to conceal, to hide? No, actually, I was proud of my body and how I was losing the weight and looking much better. No, I actually think it was more of a. Um, I, I think there was something psychological going on where I was still kind of depressed and I didn't see everything in its most authentic light. But I also didn't have any sort of education around what fit actually means. And that's when I started to really study it. Uh, Silhouettes and fits so I could dress myself. Right. And that's kind of where it all began. So you can fast forward, um, I would say, five years after kind of studying and doing better with my own style. I'm now in graduate school, and a friend asked me to go shopping with her for her first suit for an interview. And that went really well. She ended up getting the job. And then she asked if her husband could go shopping with me to find some new glasses. I said, oh, sure, fine. And it just kept happening over and over and over again to the point where I thought to myself, you know... Maybe I should get paid for this.
0: Yes. Yes, that is your time. (laughs) And, you know, I want to, like, hop in here because I feel like we haven't given you enough credit for what you did before this, too. And you worked for mega companies for years and helped to build brands and brand identity. And, like, you've been in the mix for a minute. So I want to come hop right back on Copper and Rise, your styling company. But I do want you to tell everybody what you did before, which I feel like added some um, extra credentials to your uh, capabilities
1: here. And I think it's it's actually my point of difference as well. So thanks for mentioning it. So I have a relatively long career in the world of learning and development. It's a, a form of management consulting where I particularly focused on adult learning and leadership skills. So I've worked for household name companies like L'Oreal USA, JetBlue, Tiffany and Company, NBC Universal. Uh, and I also have my master's degree in organizational psychology from Columbia. Hmm. So my, my background is actually in the world of helping leaders be better at leading. And I did that through teaching management courses, like, like a teacher, right. one-on-one coaching with individuals and teams.
0: So let me ask you this. At that stage before you transitioned to Copper and Rise, were you um, paying attention to how these people were physically presenting themselves? Was that always part of the equation for you? Or when you were helping leaders back then, was it mainly sort of tactical
1: and um, you know practical advice? No, it's actually definitely a combination. However, I wasn't so much... I, I didn't feel like I was an authority in giving my coaches' feedback on their look, on their wardrobe. It was more their communication style. I did do presentation skills and facilitation skills, but it was more on body language, voice, and tone in my head head, I'm sure I had many opinions about right. what they were wearing.
0: <laughs> well, now that you know what you know, I'm cu- I ask that because I'm curious if you could go back and do that type of job, if that would be part of the package, knowing the impact that one's uh, presentation and, and the way one dresses can can have on their performance.
1: I definitely think it would have been an asset for me to have some sort of education and experience in order to help my, my clients with their wardrobe at the same time. Listen, there are a lot of large companies who are working with their executives. They will have an entire executive coaching engagement, and they will also have a stylist come in mm-hmm. for these for these executives. I mean, we're talking about people who need to be on television, people who need to present the brand and the company. They're usually higher up. They're spending a lot of money on them. But th- like the way they look is absolutely reflective of The company itself Mm -hmm. and the investment that they're putting in them. So, yes, this. That absolutely could have been a part of my coaching engagement.
0: So now that you're full-time with Copper and Rise, you founded the company, you got everything started. By the way, guys, you you have to check them out on Instagram because the branding is incredible and in the way you organize your Instagram grid and the photography and the colors. I mean, you you can tell by looking at someone's social channels whether a company knows what they're doing. And like it or not, that's generally how I judge whether or not I would align with someone, right, or use their services. And Joanna's got that down, Pat. I want to know in those first few months of getting this off the ground, did you know right away that it was the right thing to
1: do? Did it feel good? Oh, I'm sighing a big sigh here because it was scary, Mm. Sunny. Yeah. I, I did both a full-time job and copper and rise on the side nights and weekends for a while. And, um, I felt pretty confident in that, but I was busy as all get out. Right. Right. And when I decided to leave my full-time job and focus on copper and rise full-time, that's a scary leap. Yeah. (laughs) You know, tactically from a financial standpoint, it's really scary. But also, and and I've been speaking about this quite a bit, but as an entrepreneur, especially with a company whose product is you, I'm personally grappling right now with this idea that I need to separate myself from my product because I think a lot of the fear, especially when I started Copper, uh, when I started going full-time with Copper and Rise, I had a fear of intense fear of rejection because if I felt that if someone was rejecting my product, they were rejecting me as a person. And therefore, if my company failed, then I, Joanna Lovering, failed. And so I'm still working on that, to be honest. I actually, as a matter of fact, I sent out my monthly newsletter just today and I was talking about this exact thing, so it's definitely on my mind. Um, the fear is intense, and um, on one hand, I know that when you feel the fear, you should probably go do the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate that, I hate that. But getting outside of your comfort zone is a scary thing, but it's such an incredible learning opportunity and the fear of failure i'm kind of grappling with that and trying to separate it from me and my persona
0: right well i i think that that's a really interesting point because in this creative space that I'm inhabiting personally, I've noticed that a lot of people have taken their stories and spun them off unintentionally or intentionally into brands, and I completely understand what you say when you feel like the failure of one implies the failure of the person, right, or the other, and it's difficult, but, you know, unsolicited advice time from Sunny. um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, as a consumer and as someone who's taking in the product and the services that you're offering, I love I love hearing your story. I love you owning your impetus to start the company. I mean, because there are so many people out there who offer similar services to everything we all do, it I feel like it means a lot to the to the consumer to know the person behind it. And I listen, sister friend, you got a good story. You are qualified. I would not hide behind um, you know, don't hide behind pretty, like, landscape pictures. You're, oh, you, no,
1: I agree. You know, Listen, so I'm teetering. I totally agree with you. And I think this is exactly what I'm really grappling with now, which is how do I stay authentic? Because I want to connect with my clients and I know that my story is relevant and a story that needs to be told, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I want to be authentic and yet there is some sort of psychological separation that one must have maybe as a defense meca- mechanism. I, you know, I don't know, but uh, because people get rejected all the time and I need to be able to get rejected. You know, everyone falls down, but you have to get back up again. Mm-hmm. So, so there's some balance there between authenticity and I absolutely intend on being authentic, as I am with you on this podcast recording right now. And yet this whole failure thing, because I, I cannot, listen, if this business doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that I myself have failed. I consider myself a very successful, independent, modern woman. Right. So I have to figure that out.
0: Yeah, it's hard, and that just encapsulates so much of what an entrepreneur deals with, especially mm-hmm. someone like you who's putting, you know, something out there that is that is closely tied to your abilities and personality and all that. Right. Who do you look up to?
1: Story. Like, who do
0: I look up to? Yeah, like I mean, you, I, I feel like there's a lot of people, and this is like what we all are are doing to to an extent these days. You know, we're like putting our, ourselves out there. I too, by the way struggle with, like, oh, my gosh, am I going to look back and regret having been so honest about everything? Like, keep something <laughs> sacred here, sonny, My goodness. But, um, yeah, I wonder, like, who is your touchstone that you look to? It doesn't even have to be someone in the profession, but who reminds you of, like, what's important and brings you back to earth?
1: Well, I, honestly, I have a few people. One of the main people is my grandmother. There's a, there's a lot of adjectives I can use here, but... She persevered, she was resilient, she was creative, and she was one heck of a spitfire of a woman. (laughs) I love that. You know, so she did things uh, really off the beaten path. For instance, she had her own business back in the days when wives and mothers were at home. Wow. She went back to school at 60 years old. What? To get her degree. No way. Yes. She was sitting in classrooms with 18-year-olds. Gosh, (laughs) that's
0: amazing. She was
1: 60. So this woman took life by the horns and just shook it up. She was also the matriarch of my very Italian family. (laughs) She was the one reading the news, uh, newspaper every day, watching the news every day, had a handle on all her finances until she passed away at 97 years old. So this is a woman who we all, anyone who knew her, looked up to her. And I was her first grandchild and I'm named after her. She and I were very close, connected both in a, an emotional way as well as a way where I wanted to emulate her. And so she's the woman that I think about. She had her own business. I have my own business. Her business was an interior design business. Mine is fashion. So we have a lot of parallels. And I, I really hope to embody a lot of her strength. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And you know what? Like
0: when you think about what it is that you want to the legacy you want to leave everything that you said that she did is like exactly the type of exactly the type of woman you want to be sort of trying to emulate trying to be like i mean that yeah, hits the nail but, on the head right
1: yeah she she was a badass <laughs> that's awesome
0: <laughs> that's she awesome knew
1: she was, and i want to be a badass too <laughs> yeah,
0: you are a, you have my badass stamp of approval you are and listen we've known joanna mentioned this but we went to school together back in like no, i'm older you. than you <laughs> I've, I've, it was in the, it was at the turn of the century <laughs> yes quite
1: literally,
0: quite but quite right. literally but you've <laughs> always been driven you've always been um you you've had a colorful personality you you've had opinions which i feel like is what always drew me to you as a person i always i loved hearing your opinions i remember having been involved with you in different like classes or activities and i love a woman who who speaks up it's strange to me to be around women who defer for the sake of deferring to other people. I'm like, mm. don't you have thoughts? Joanna Levering has thoughts and I love that. And the world needs oh, more women with you. thoughts. It does. It does. Well,
1: I I always felt the same way about you. Uh, truly. I um I have to say though that that aspect of my personality uh I <laughs> I've gotten a lot of feedback about that. Tell me, that Tell me more. Tell me more. Professionally, personally, go on. I would say in particular professionally, um, you know, a- along with my opinions, uh, I am, I know that I am a gregarious person. I have a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm, hence why you and I were involved in so many different activities. But uh, especially when I first started out in the world of corporate America, I worked for these Corporate companies, and I ho- and I hope. Listen, I don't want to like rag on corporate because it, I grew up in corporate and I loved it and I learned so much. But there came a time where I felt like I was in a box. Quite literally, I was sitting in cubicles. <laughs> but also, there were some things about my personality that were not um, not considered strength. So the fact that I had a lot of opinions—quite literally, my volume, my volume of my voice was too loud. I got a lot of feedback on my volume.
0: Like, was was? Do you remember anything in particular? Where, like, was it a boss that came back to you? Was it a coworker? What did they say?
1: Um, I definitely remember because it was incredibly hurtful. To be honest, um, it it was a um. I actually, my, my direct boss was caught in the middle. Uh, it was our, my boss's boss, who gave him the feedback that he then had to relay to me, which I have ultimate problems with. But, um, and the feedback was that, Joanna, everyone already knows that you're in the room. You don't have to make yourself known. What does that even mean? Right. What? And now I will tell you what that means because it was so hurtful. It was this. You're tall. You're young. You have red, bright red curly hair. Your laugh is loud. And your overall volume is loud. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Number one, this feedback was completely inappropriate, and I will reveal that I reported this to HR. <laughs> but I'm young, I have red curly hair. All of these things that I love about me and my personality were not were, were not considered strengths at least to this particular person, right now, right. I think that there was a lot of psychological dissonance there. I think I intimidated her for multiple reasons. I'm not saying that this person was a good person. However, she was my boss's boss. Right, right. So for a long time, I I quieted myself in many ways, both with my volume, but also with the number of times I would speak in a meeting. Well, that just sucks. I hate hearing that. What? Like, I just have to it's interject. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, people are not okay. I, rem- I you know, I've had instances, too, in editorial meetings, getting dirty looks and getting shushed and, you know, for being what you said, young, female, people think you don't know what you're saying. I mean, it, but, um, and I know it's easy for men who might be listening to be like, oh, here we go, the feminist stuff again, <laughs> but until you experience that sort of public slight, it's I mean, first of all, it's humiliating to, like, the nth degree. And second of all, I feel like there needs to be a little bit of discussion in the way that we treat powerful or opinionated women in professional spaces because I do think, you know, we're losing losing the impact of women because they're scared to to speak up. Now, I hope this generation is different, but I'm certain it's happened before.
1: I also just want to reveal to you that my boss's boss was a woman. Interesting. Right. So, again... I think that there was, like, uh, a a lot of stuff going on there. Right, right, right. But this was not the typical feminist, like, "Mm, men. It it, it was was a rough situation. I agree with you that I hope this generation is different, for sure. Um, And I think it will be. There's still a lot of challenges that women in the workplace have no matter where you are, whether it's a startup, corporate, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's still going on. I experienced it and that is quite frankly, part of the reason why I have my own business now.
0: Now, do you think all those strengths that were sometimes appreciated, sometimes criticized in the in the sort of like group sphere are assets now that you've launched your own company and what do you find that you like, mo- what, what quality of your personality you think is most um, like impactful on your success?
1: Number one, I think they were always assets. I think those Touché. parts of my personal- so true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so true. Listen, I'm just gonna That's sit stunning. back and, <laughs> let me just sit back and have a sip of water while you go on. Go ahead, go
1: ahead. <laughs> I think they were always assets. And if someone doesn't see an aspect of my personality as an aspect, then they're just not my client or they're just not my collaborator or my friend and that's okay and that's okay yeah
0: yeah that's I, interesting I, I it took me a, like a long i don't know why but a long time to realize that that is okay that some people aren't your people you know
1: it doesn't surprise me because i went through the same thing listen our our traditional societal norms say that women need to be people pleasers oh yeah so, right so Absolutely. we need to flex and adjust in order to make sure that everyone is in harmony. Now, I don't necessarily see that as all bad. There's a a lot of grace and poise that I think are still coveted aspects of of femininity today. However, it's when these strengths become dysfunctional, that's when they become your greatest challenge, right? Mm -hmm. They still have to make sure that that, uh, other people's voices are heard However, I will no longer I'm no longer interested in quieting myself in order to serve the the psychological defects of other people. <laughs> that is very well put. I feel like that's very well put. You're not going to shrink. I'm not. I'm not. And guess what? If if they don't like it, then these are not my people. Right. And and your second question was around How has it benefited my business? When you're an entrepreneur, this is such a different world. Gosh, everyone told me that it would be a different life. And I'm like, yeah, 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 fine. But you don't really know how different it's going to be until you live it. I mean, that makes sense, right? Um, I, I did not start my business because I enjoyed selling what my business does. But frankly, 75% of my time, now that I have established a product product menu, a service menu, whatever, now that all that infrastructure is down, I am now spending the vast majority of my time selling and marketing my, my service. So sticking out and making sure that people remember me is actually quite an asset. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And are you handling all of that now alone, by the way? Have you brought on other team teammates, team members to help out? It's me
1: and me alone right now. I look oh. forward to the day when I can hire someone. The first person I will hire will be a social media manager. Right. I want to off board. Thank you so much for all of your uh, really, the really nice things you said and the compliments about my Instagram. It it's really well done. Yeah. However, I would really like to offboard that. Yeah, no, listen, sister, I feel you.
0: I, I, I most often, I'm like, I want to pass it off to my four year old. I'm like, I don't care. Take a <laughs> selfie, put it on Instagram, help keep my engagement high, honey. I can't do this right now. Um, okay, I want to transition. Speaking of kids and things, um, there is, um, like we, we mentioned, this big transition that, that a lot of the mothers that I've spoken to have gone through, I know it's difficult to sort of assess from afar, but if there are, are some key pieces that you always suggest to help a woman who is just getting back into finding her own style or um, trying to find her own style after having children, can you give us some, like, tips and tricks to, like, having a closet that works for us, especially those the new mom kind of set?
1: Sure, Absolutely. So one thing that I often do with my clients who are, who are really clueless, or and I don't mean that in a derogatory word. <laughs> I mean, nope, I get it. I mean, I'm clueless. If, <laughs> if, they're, <laughs> if they're just at a loss, is that I say build a Pinterest board okay. and fill that Pinterest board with not just pictures of women lifestyle pictures or clothing that you like but actually anything that you like aesthetically so maybe it's a picture of a house maybe it's a flower maybe it's a kitchen that you love but build that pinterest board with anything that inspires you and a good coach like me (laughs) will (laughs) will see i'm selling Love it. I love it. Oh gosh. <laughs> but a good coach will be able to look at that Pinterest board and find some sort of common threads. Whether it's something like, wow, you really like green. Oh yes, I do like green. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Or I noticed that all of the furniture that you put here, the pictures of the Houses—they're all really modern and clean. So it's, I bet you want to translate that into your wardrobe as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. I love right. that, and then you don't feel yeah. like you're—you're you're having to, you know, scour, you know, Nordstrom.com and find pieces that you like. Like, no, look at just no, no, at the no. clothing—it it, is an aesthetic, and I—I I think that. Um, like looking at it from that perspective really helps. I, I literally like it's been it's it's such a challenging time to like not to keep harping on this, but like you mentioned, anyone who's gone through a body change, mm. you feel like the need to hold on to the clothes that fit in the past, the f- clothes that fit in the present, well. the clothes that you hope will fit in the future. I mean, like these are all parts of it too that I feel like are psychologically involved in this process.
1: Right. Well, yes, and if especially when it comes to the clothes in your closet. Fine, work with me, but gosh darn it, get on Netflix and watch Marie Kondo's yes. show. Yes, yes. It okay. is.
0: Um, that was life-changing. I mean, I had read parts life of the book, changing. but it was life-changing. Absolutely. read the
1: book. Sorry, I don't really read books. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a smart person. Spoken like an entrepreneur, smart. my friend. Yes. Right, so um, I'm not kidding. I personally watched the show, the first two episodes, and I got rid of four bags of stuff. Me, who I help people organize closets for a living. Right. So I'm telling you, this show was such a motivator for me. And she gave me some really great um, lessons and a framework to work by. For instance, as you just mentioned, for those of us who have gone through a body change and we are keeping our skinny clothes or the clothes from another era, Let me tell you what, these clothes are not doing what they think or what you think, think they are a motivator. You think you're going to look at these clothes and say, oh gosh, I can't wait to lose the X number of pounds so I can fit into those pants again. No, you know what those clothes are doing? They are bringing guilt and shame onto your conscience. Every time you look at those clothes, you are feeling like the failure that you you think you are because you can't fit into those pants. So you say so get rid of them. 1000% get rid of them from sight. Okay? So you sure you can get rid of them and donate them. You can use thread up to see if you can um, sell them. But what I have all of my clients do is at least get them out of sight. That means buy some sort of storage container, and you're putting those clothes that don't fit you today into that storage container and out of sight at the top of the closet in the basement or under the bed.
0: Yeah, we don't don't need those reminders. You're right, karmically, energetically, they kind of trap us in periods we just, we need to live in the now, man, you know?
1: Yes, (laughs) yes. And then Wink, wink, the trick is that you completely forget about those clothes, because <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> you do, uh-huh. and then eventually you get rid of them anyway. But it's, um, it's. listen, clothes are always wrought with emotions. This is the dress I wore for my engagement party. This is what I wore on my first date with my husband, right? This is what I wore when I found out I was pregnant. So emotions have stories, I'm sorry, clothes have stories behind them every single time. And so maybe you're not ready to let go of those stories. So, okay, we'll put the stories in a box. Love it. (laughs) Right? Store them away
0: or grab a pen and journal them, sister. Write that story down and then you don't don't need the t-shirt anymore. Well, that is right. Yes. That's part of it too. Okay, I want to hear, I want to hear, before we go, because I I feel like I could ask you a thousand questions, but Uh, I want to, like, practically get some more advice for anybody who's about to, like, perhaps start the journey. I want to put out there, you don't have to be a millionaire to hire a stylist. You do not have to, you know, be rolling in cash to get help with your your wardrobe, because I know that the fear, I think, in, in a lot of women is that they will begin to work with someone, they will feel that there's not... Uh, you know, uh, they're not jiving and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck with this person. How I want you to like kind of assuage our fears here about partnering with someone professionally because we're not scared to go to the doctor when we're sick. We're not scared to, you know, go to the therapist when we need to talk through our issues. But for some reason, there's this block like, oh man, I'm going to be a superficial person or I can't afford this. I want you to help us debunk some of these myths.
1: Sure, sure. Well, first of all, at least in the way that I work, I, I say that I'm a coach first and a fashion stylist second, meaning a lot of the work that's done between me and my clients is very emotional and psychological. So just like a doctor, just like a therapist, it is completely okay to go shopping, Mm -hmm. (laughs) shopping for someone to help you. And if it doesn't feel right in terms of, if you're jiving together with your personalities, then that's okay. You wouldn't want a doctor that you don't trust. You also wouldn't want a style coach that you don't trust. Right. So that's number one. Number two is, at least with the way that I work, I do not (laughs) – this is probably a really bad business decision too, but I really don't care (laughs) because it has to do with my integrity. I don't get the sales in the stores. Wow, that's different, right? Because typically – Yes. Yeah, Okay. Yes, it is very different. Um, I chose that, and I have a pretty hard line on that, too, because I never want my clients to feel like they're being forced to a certain store or to buy a certain item. My, my focus is on my clients and, and making sure that they are happy. So we can shop at TJ Maxx or we can shop at Saks. I don't care, I wanna make sure that you are happy. And you work remotely
0: too, so you don't have to be in New York City for this to work, and I love that your packages include this. So tell us what you would do, for example, with a long distance client.
1: Well, thank God for technology, because I'm now able, and I have clients in Los Angeles, in Boston, so I work with everyone. I would say I actually work with about a third of my clients remotely. And, and thank God for technology because we just use Skype or FaceTime or Zoom, and I'm right there with them. So I can do everything from the, the closet sort section, session. That's what I call it, a sort because we're sorting through. But that's the closet detox. I can also do all of the, the shopping online as well. Of course, is a little bit more of a risk. Um, because you're not trying things on in front of me, but because I can see your full body and I know the brands and how the brands fit, I do a pretty good job. I got to tell you, I'm pretty good at this. Though. You are pretty good. I Listen, I, I, like I said, I've directed people to your
0: Instagram. You have to check out her Instagram and her website too. I mean, you have done weddings in Italy. Like You are being flown abroad for jobs. I mean... Sister friend is good at her job here. You're, yeah. y- you know, and I should mention that too, you do weddings in addition to just regular styling. So I feel like that's a different aspect of what you offer as well. Mm-hmm. Not only do you do like traditional styling, but you also do weddings. You just had someone fly you out to Italy and you were working with your client in like the most gorgeous location ever.
1: Yeah, that was pretty, that, that was pretty magical. I have to say. Yes, (laughs) that's incredible. And I'm so grateful I got to be a part of it. But yeah, I I work with clients on weddings, on special events. Uh, Maybe your big birthday is coming up, whatever it may be. But I, I, again, I say that my role with a client is that of a coach. So unless it's a special event, I work with clients for at least three months. Because I, yeah, because this is not just cleaning out your closet and shopping. This is about who you are and who you want to present to the world. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and that takes time. And so I work with clients for at least three months to really dig into where they are today, who they want to be, and how we can use wardrobe to get them there. I love it. Can you, before I, I, I cut you loose here, I want to
0: hear some, like, I know you told us the story of someone who's about to get engaged. I hope we are not blowing up their spot because <laughs> it's not going to happen yet. All right. This is just, um, I don't, I don't want to put it out there and like jinx it, I know. but I want to hear some other great success stories and, and other like, um, kind of testimonials because it'll, it'll help us to get an idea of like what it is that makes you different in, in what you
1: offer. Sure. Oh my goodness. So, well, this wedding is actually a great, (laughs) great story. Um, and she flew me out to Italy to be her stylist on set for all of her photos. It was absolutely incredible. And, um, what's so beautiful about this particular client is that she, she did not necessarily have an intention of doing such a grand ceremony in Venice. So as a matter of fact, Venice was their honeymoon. Wow. Okay. It was their honeymoon. So they actually got married at City Hall in New York City. And she wanted a suit, like a silk suit for that. Um, Very similar. She she wanted the Sex and the City Carrie Bradshaw suit that she got married to big in in City Hall. Um, and I said, well, that, that is a Christian Dior couture suit that is no longer sold. How I know this is beyond me. Because you're good at your job. I did it. So um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I referred her to one of my best friends from high school. And we also went to Carnegie Mellon together. And she is a costume designer, and she designed the the suit for her. Oh, that's incredible. So So totally custom. Completely custom. It was unbelievable. Check out my friend Carla's business, Fermata Designs. It is incredible. Fermata Designs. But I say this because it was after my client met me that she and her fiance decided that they really wanted to commemorate this incredible union between the two of them. They have a really beautiful story of how they met. Um, It was quite serendipitous. And they wanted to commemorate it with a ceremony during their honeymoon. So then it was actually an afterthought and everything. And it turned out to be the most magical ceremony I have ever, ever, ever seen. I am so lucky to be a part of it and grateful.
0: Oh my gosh, you're putting these pictures on your Instagram account at some point, oh, right? Yes. Because I once need to see these. Once the professional,
1: once the professional pictures are up, they oh, don't, don't you, don't you worry. The photographer Zuzu Burkhoff was she is world renowned, um, and. It, it, yeah, it was, it was magazine quality stuff. So Ugh, I can't, yeah, I can't wait. wait to get the
0: photos. I can't wait. Yeah. Cause on your personal, uh, you know, social media, I was like noticing that you were there and kind of like s- stalking you from that angle. <laughs> and then I realized that it was a, it was a job and I was like, okay, I have to see these pictures.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and incredible. that was just, a, it was just an incredible story. I, I, for so many reasons, I told the bride and groom, I said, you guys help me believe in love again. Uh, and and that was all because all of that happened because she and I met, we connected, we are close friends now, and she wanted to make this union and and the ceremony. She wanted it to blossom and make it just the best party ever. And it really was.
0: Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see the pictures. Um, I will probably be calling you at some point to to help me with my personal uh, wardrobe as well, because I'm in, I'm in dire need. My sister came over the other day. She said, I have never seen so many t-shirts. All I wear are t-shirts and jeans. And then. At leisure. I'm really trying hard, but it's not a pretty process, so <laughs> Ugh, it's bad. Um, so, Joanna, tell us where we can find you and where we can learn more about Copper and Rise.
1: www.copperandrise. Copper like the metal and rise up in your life. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, as we've talked about, at Copper and Rise, and I'm also on Facebook.
0: Love it so much, Joanna. Thank you for letting me um, strongly persuade you into dragging you onto my podcast. I really, oh, really kidding? appreciate
1: it. It's, are you kidding, Sunny? It has been so great to reconnect with you, everyone. I, I am. I have been inspired by this woman oh, since I knew who she was. Uh, well, since I saw her amazing, beautiful oh, face, oh goodness to gracious! Be on it, so. You would
0: not say that if you saw me right now, <laughs> <But> <laughs> with I my brown flakes right crawling now. out of my la- freshly I lasered can. skin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't um, see you right now, but um, I, I am so appreciative that you have this forum for people to share their story because it's important. So just thanks for thanks for doing this. I think it's amazing, and love you lots. I love you,
0: sister. Thank you again. And, guys, Copper and Rise is the website. Joanna Lovering is the amazing woman behind it. Joanna, thank you again so, so much. See ya. Okay, guys. I love Joanna. She is so dynamic, isn't she? Um, we <laughs> we stayed on after that episode stopped and just pretty much gossiped <laughs> for, like, 20 minutes. My poor producer. Sorry, Takeem. Um, anyhow, uh, I loved hearing her perspective on um, – on on fashion and styling guys it's not a superficial thing it's not um you know something that's sort of a an afterthought or a side thought i love that joanna teaches us that the way we feel about ourselves and the way we present we present ourselves to the world matters so definitely check her out copper and rise.com you can follow her on instagram at that same name as well i will be updating my podcast page on my website with all of her um Relevant information, too, so you can check that out through SonnyAbada.com as well. Thank you so much for listening. I would really appreciate if you guys would take a minute, maybe head on over to my podcast page and leave a rating and or review that helps us to get these stories and uh, inspirational tips out to people who may enjoy them or may need them. So, um, yeah, I'd really appreciate that. I will see you guys next week with some more goodness. Thank you so much for listening to 30-something, and I will talk to you guys soon.